Hallelujah. Shall we lift up our voice to heaven this morning and bless the name of the Lord? Let's give him all the glory this morning. Bless his holy name for his awesome. Thank you, Jesus. He's the one that maketh the heavens and the earth and everything for his glory. So we are designed and made for his glory. Lift up your voice and glorify him this morning now. Give him all the praise because he deserves it. Give him all the glory. Bless the name of the Lord. Every day is a new day that he has given us an opportunity to experience his mercy, his love. So give him all the glory. In Jesus' matchless name, we have given thanks. Make your amen a resounding one. Give Jesus a big, big hand of praise. And please take your seat. Hallelujah. I want to bless the name of the Lord for giving me this privilege to bring a short word of exhortation to you this morning. Equally, I want to thank his servant, our resident pastor, our master and boss in office for this privilege given to us to bring God's word. Thank you very much, sir. Hallelujah. Sometimes it's scary when we are given an opportunity to teach and God's servant is bringing out the paper and pen to write and you'll be asking yourself, what are you writing? What is he writing? Because he wondered that because out of the abundance we have been privileged to learn under his stewardship. It's the same thing we are coming to share. So we learned it from him. So we don't expect it to, to be writing, but he keeps writing. Hallelujah. So we count that a great honor and privilege. Thank you very much, sir. Hallelujah. Amen. No church grows without a people on the go. No church grows without a people on the go. Now, if you agree with me, I will, you, you know very well that that word, a people on the go, simply means so many. Hallelujah. So no church grows without people engaging in souls being saved. Shout hallelujah. Now, we all understand that it, God is the one that brings the addition, the multiplication, as we are told in Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 19, as we are equally saw in Acts chapter 6, verse 7, and equally Acts chapter 2, verse 47. All this, we are a proof that the addition and multiplication of the people comes from God. Hallelujah. But the, the factor, that for those that did elementary mathematics, you understand that for there to be a multiplication, there has to be something to multiply it. So the factor for that multiplication, which God can only bring to be, is man being on the go. So when a man is on the go, you are giving God a platform to stand to multiply. There can't be multiplication if there's nothing to multiply. Anything multiplied by zero is nothing. So at least there has to be one. And people being on the ghost is that one factor that God multiplies to bring about the multiplication and addition we are expecting. In the name of Jesus, that will become our experience as a church in the precious name of Jesus. We equally must understand that we must plant and water before God brings the increase. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6, the Paul planted Apollo's water. All these are the factors of men. The way God saw the factor, God came and gave the increase. So every church, not just church, every institution that has the interest of cost multiplication in view must engage the factor of taking responsibility. That's what it simply means. Hallelujah. Now, I would like to tell us about sowing. Because 
we must have to go preaching the gospel to the lost if we must see so saved. No so get saved without a contact. Now, so winning is a term we give to God's purpose for the earth. What is God's purpose for the earth? To see all men saved. We, as mortal men, gave that word so winning as a description to define that purpose for which God has designed. God's idea is that all men should be saved. And in order for man to bring that into common terms for everybody to see, we gave the word so winning. So there's nothing so spectacular about that word, but there's something spectacular about the purpose. The word represents the purpose, and the purpose is that all men should be saved. And God is committed to seeing that all men save, except the ones that are interested in not being saved, even when he puts his effort, or when we put our effort. So we must take that as, an, as, an, as, as, as the first primary point of understanding that this word so winning is that encompassing of the desire and purpose for which God has created man. And that was the mind. The purpose is to see men say. So don't just say, ah, we are going for so winning. And that's it. You must understand the essence of that word for you to keep the fullness or your fullness. If you don't understand the essence of that word, you may, not be, you may be careless about it. The essence of that word, so many, simply means seeing the purpose and desire of God being established. So do you know what it means for you to be a contact point? To see the plan and purpose of God to be established. Now let me tell you about an interesting law. They call it the law of territory. What is the law of territory? The law of territory simply means that for a dominion to be established in a territory, there must be a contact point. For dominion to be established in the territory, there must be a contact point. Now, let me bring this to our understanding about so winning. Now, for the dominion of the spirit realm to have effect on the earth, there must be a contact point on the earth. So, even Satan is handicapped on the earth without inversion. And that's why you see all manner of things happening through mortal bodies. Why? Satan takes, enters them and manifests his ideologies, or rather, his goals, his purpose for which he has for the earth. So also, God has to enter through our mortal body to establish his purpose on the earth. That is the contact point. So man, as it were, is a bond contact point for God to establish his purpose on the earth. God can come down to the earth to establish it because it's against the law of parenting. Why is he against it? This is a place for the physical experience. God is a spirit. So spirit can come and have dominion on this place. For spirit to have to dominate this place, it must have a contact point. And we are just contact point. And that's why the Bible said, a body has it prepared for me. Meaning that even with the agenda of bringing Jesus as your savior to redeem man back to his original place, God needed a contact point. Jesus would have come in the likeness of the spirit. Why did he have to prepare a body for him? Because without a body being prepared for Jesus, Jesus couldn't have actualized his purpose. That's why I'm saying, without a body being prepared for God, God can actualize the purpose of seeing all men saved. And we are that body God has prepared. <laughs> Remember when you get saved, the Bible says, I haven't been saved, you'll be reconciled. He has given you the ministry of reconciliation. What does it mean? that he has borrowed your body to establish his purpose on the earth. How this understanding that you're not coming to just go and do any other thing, but you're coming to establish the purpose of God on the earth. That is what it means to be a soul winner. That's what soul winning is about. Soul winning is the terminology we give it. Now, the processes we engage in actualizing that thing is what we call the outreach, the evangelical we are doing. 
going out to give her me. Remember just the same way when Jesus followed the body of the woman of Samaritan. The woman of Samaritan went out and screamed, telling them, hey, come and see. Now that was a medium. Jesus followed the body and the woman engaged the medium of evangelism. So when we go out for evangelism, we are simply taking out the process of actualizing so many, which is the process of actualizing God's purpose on the earth. My, my, my prayer for you this morning is that you must come to the realization that this thing is not just about the church, but it's about an agenda of heaven. An agenda of heaven. An agenda of heaven. So wake up to this reality that your body has been prepared for God. And the dominion of God on the earth requires a contact point, and your body is that contact point. So God can never come down. God can never come down. Even when God wanted to come down for the Israelites, He came down in the form of Moses. Hey, I've seen the affliction of my people, but that's not my point. I've heard their cry. So there was a migration into the spirit realm, and for the spirit to have dominion, He took the body of Moses and came down for their deliverance. So we are God's contact point. So when you fail in establishing God's dominion, it's not the fault of God, it's your view. Having a negligence to take up the authority of the mantle as a God's contact point. Now, if Jesus' body failed, the agenda would have failed. <laughs> if Jesus' body has failed, the agenda would have failed. Today, many of us are failing because of why our body is failing us. How is our body failing us? We are giving attention to so many things more than the things we should give attention to more. I've told you there are three most important things you have in life. Number one is God. Any other thing you're doing, God must be first. The second thing is your family. The third is your relationship. But never neglect the place of God. Never substitute God for anything. Never. Never. We are in a race to establish the plan and purpose of God on this, to this generation. Now, we are preservers of divine ordinances. Today is unfortunate that we see the generation of what is happening, what is happening in our current generation. It's very unfortunate. Now, the problem is not the problem of God. The problem is the problem of the vessels God has borrowed to establish this purpose. Shut up in the year. So we must wake up to this reality that all men's have. God's desire is to see all men saved. But God's desire is established through the responsibility of man. So it's God's desire, but the responsibility of man is the means of actualizing it. So every time man is irresponsible, you deprive the purposes of God for being established. Shout hallelujah. Shout hallelujah. Now, someone is willing to give his body up to, for Jesus to use this morning. Is somebody willing to do that? Give Jesus a big hand. Hallelujah. Now, as I read up, we must equally understand that we cannot experience supernatural church growth without fervently engaging the author of prayer and fasting. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now, let me explain this very well to you because we must understand that the fact that God is burning our body to establish the purposes of, the, of, his, of his agenda for the nations or for the earth does not mean that we must neglect the place of prayer and fasting. Now, why is the essence of the prayer and fasting? Prayer and fasting is a system of migrating from the earthly realm to the heavenly realm, to the spiritual realm. A system of migration. So, anytime you want to go and establish the purposes of God, remember that your body was borrowed by God. And everything can be contested for that. So, for you to migrate to the fullness of God, the prayer must be in place. And that's why most times we will go out for evangelism without being prayerful. Our evangelism is fruitless. Because why? We have not migrated into the realm from which God is coming from. Now, remember God has to enter your body. But it takes prayer for you to pray, put your body in the 
desirable position for God to pass through. So every time we pray, we are migrating into the realm of the spirit. Even in the physical, to command the dictates and systems of heaven. I've shared a testimony several times. How when I gave my life to Christ newly, out of passion and desire, because of so winning, I keep going up for so winning. See, I've checked for God before. I've checked for God all because of so winning. These two feet have checked for so winning. One time I was telling somebody, if I tell you the distance I've checked, these two feet have stepped from this place to Rubokoro just for Jesus. But every day I'll come back crying. What is happening? I will engage in so I will be arguing. This is not it. I never understood the system of migration. Because I thought it was just reading the Bible. Reading the Bible is not enough for me. So there must be a migration from the realm of the physical to the supernatural. That's where you get to when you're preaching to somebody, somebody will be crying. That's the only way you get to when you're preaching to somebody. You will not know that somebody was able sick and you're saying that you are healed. And the person is healed instantly. You're not going to tell the person, hey, you know, you have trust. Go for outreach and you tell me of your church where trust are. By then you say that I say, hey, I'm seeing something in your life. This is this. Is. But uh, you will forget that you are arguing with me. That's the realm we are getting to. The realm where we come with the supernatural. Where we are not coming as a water man, but as immortality. Coming with God in physical form. What is going to evangelize and they are arguing with you is because why you have not sought yourself. Very well, it's out of prayer. I told you one of those days I went out for outreach and I was ministering to somebody and the person said, sir, I like your dress. I said, do you like it? He said, thank you. I like it. I said, sir, I'm willing. Because of what? He was not seeing the dress. He was seeing God in the dress. That's the prayer I'm talking about. Now we engage out of prayer to break the hold of the mortality around us and to carry the immortal God and take it to the world and make men see that the Bible says that all men may see. What are they seeing? They are seeing God and that's the system of prayer. The system of migration from the earthly to the supernatural. Now, your athlete will keep being frustrated if prayer is lacking. That's the spiritual base for so many. My prayer for you this morning that your faith is coming alive. Your hope is coming alive. And your diligence is equally coming alive to carry this gospel for Christ and establish the purposes of God to a generation. Rise up to your feet. Lift up your voice and bless the name of the Lord. Give him all the glory. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' precious name. Let's give him all the praise this morning. For our God is mighty. Give him all the glory. Bless his holy name this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Because you are mighty. Mighty to save. Mighty to deliver. Thank you. Lift up your voice and bless the name of the Lord. When it has to do with thanksgiving, it has to come from your heart through your mouth. Not just your heart alone, but your heart through your mouth. That's why the Bible says, out of them shall proceed. The word proceed simply means come out. So out of them shall come out thanksgiving. How do you bring out thanksgiving? Through the word of your mouth. So bless the name of the Lord this morning. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' matchless name, we have given thanks. Someone who has given God quality thanks this morning, your amen will show it. Give Jesus a big hand. And please take your seat. Hallelujah. I want to thank God for this privilege given this to me this morning to bring a short word to you this morning. And I trust God that your life will be changing. I equally want to thank you, Simon, for giving me this privilege. I don't take it for granted and I'm never ashamed to say that I've been privileged to be a beneficiary steward under his leadership. My life has taken a new course and I've begun to understand purpose and the pursuit of God better sitting under his stewardship. Thank you very much, sir. Hallelujah. And we have started with the series, Why Must We Be Committed to Ingathering of Souls into the Church? 
And this morning again, I will be building on that platform. Why must people will be committed to ingathering of souls into the church? Hallelujah. Now, there are so many vital reasons why we must see these people come to church. So many. So many. And this morning, I'm just going to be telling you about one of those reasons why these people should be in church. But before then, I would like to say something about this church because as it's laid, it's one aspect that a lot of people have given definition to. And we have to see from scripture what the church is and what it's made up of. Hallelujah. Now, to start with, the church is the gathering of God's people. The gathering of God's people. And let me say equally that not just why must we be committed to gathering of souls into the church, why must we be committed to staying in church We have been saved already? I've heard several philosophy and ideologies about men that, hey, church is within you. That you don't need to come to the gathering of people. That the church is within you. If the church within you, very correct, that's true. But you don't need to come to the gathering of people very wrong. Because that's wrong ideology. Why do I say so? Let's look at the life of Jesus. Jesus, our perfect example. The Bible says, and the child grew and worked strong. But how did that happen? His custom was that he was going to the synagogue. Where is the synagogue? The synagogue is the church. So if Jesus was consistent in church, then who are we not to be consistent in church? Hey, Jesus was God. I hope you know. And the Bible said, my father is in me. I am in my father. But that never stopped him from going to the church. And even though the Bible records the fact that Jesus was going to church, even from his young age, the Bible never said he stopped going to church even at 33. Because the Bible said, even at 33, after the Spirit of the Lord has been into the wilderness, we are, we are made to understand that he went to the church as his comes to me. And not just that, he equally go again. But this time around, with a better understanding, and that's why he had to chase those people buying and selling. So Jesus never neglected the place of going to church. So who are we to start telling us that you don't need to come to church? That you know church is within me. It's a trick of the devil to sway people off in this present day. We give all manner of things that, hey, I don't need to come to church because church is within me. That is a trick of the devil. You know, the devil doesn't have power. He has deception. And that's one of the deceptive patterns of the devil. So anything that will make you not to want to bring these people to church, our new convert, or you not to even come to church, the devil already started winning you already. Don't get deceived. Don't try to encourage yourself. Even though you pray at home. For one month, you pray at home, but you neglect the place of church. You are running away. Out. Let nobody deceive you. Check most of the people saying this thing. You discover that they have derailed. And now that's the people you want to follow. Hallelujah. Now, there's something Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, that got me interested. He said, upon this rock, Peter, I will build my church, and the gate of hell shall not prevail. The partial translation said, upon the church, the legislative arm of heaven. The legislative assembly. He will build his church, the gate of hell shall not prevail. Now, what Jesus was trying to say there, the fact that, hey, I understand that the church has been there before. But this time around, I'm going to build a church with a different ideology and notion. And that's where revelation came to be. So Jesus even said it. And I hope you know that when he was making that statement to Peter, he wasn't talking to the present. He was talking to the future. I shall build. Not I have built. The church was already in existence. But this time around, I'm going to build a church with a different ideology. I shall build. So even if Jesus is talking about building a church, future, that means we are the present church he has built. So don't neglect it. And don't go out for act so winning and somebody tells you, hey, no, I don't attend any church. Because why? I wish you to come to my house. Then he says, no, I am not saying you should come to my church, but you must be in the church family. Don't, don't. That is trick of the devil to sweep people off. 
People take pride of, of, of not going to church. And that's how the devil takes pride in keeping them at home. Because why? He has won them over. Why must we be committed to ingathering ourselves into the church? We have understood that the church is a place of gathering of people. It's not just about you as an individual. Say, I'm the church. And you stay at home. No, it's a place of gathering. That's why it's called the legislative. The legislative arm of the country talks about the senatorial arm of the country. Have you seen any senator stay at home to make laws or policy? Now, if you read the succeeding verse after that scripture, the Bible says, and that is say, he shall say a thing. Whatever you decree on earth shall be established. Why? Because why the church is the legislative arm of God. So right there is where policies are made. So when you decide to make a policy from the earth and take it to heaven, heaven confirms it. Just the same way when the executive arm brings the policy to the Senate, until the Senate approves it, no matter what the president does, that policy cannot stand. That policy cannot stand. And no senator makes policy from his house. They must meet. They have a meeting point where they call the chamber. So the church is the chamber, the meeting point between God and man. So every of our souls must be brought to the church. Don't negotiate it. Don't consider it. Don't think about it. It's not an option. It's not a thing of thoughts. They must be in church. If anybody tells you that, hey, I don't need to go to church, that's a bit of a life of the bit of hell. Don't condole it. Because even Jesus never neglected the place of church. The apostles needed church as a gathering. We always call them the early church because it was from that point that the revelational knowledge from which the church was built was established. Now, was the church actually bad before? No. But this time around, the coming of Christ is building a different dimension of the church. Meaning that it's building the church on the revelation of Christ. No longer the revelation of the Lord they had before. That is what Jesus is talking about. He wasn't negating the fact that you must not be in church. He was making you to understand that the church has been built on a different platform. And the platform is Christ as the head of the church. Because the early church, or rather, the church of the old, from the Old Testament, there was no record that Christ was the head. So this present-day church, Jesus never, ne- never talked down of there. Never talked less of it. Never said there's no need to be in a gathering. He only said this must be built on the revelation of me as the head of the church. So please, let's be sure that we get these people in. Even though not our church, but let's be sure that we get them into a, a family. Let's get them into a family. A statistic will sometimes back in America and they discover that the souls won by Charles G. Finney over 10, 7 over 10 was still standing. 7 over 10 was still standing. Doing very well, five rounds for the Lord, taking the gospel. And they talked about another person, which I will not want to call the name, because I'm not here to, to, to bring down anybody. But they talked about another minister that won souls, but gave these people the free will to do whatever they want to do. And they say statistically that over 10, less than 3 was still standing. Because of why? We give them freelance. Not bringing them to church, giving them freelance. Now, why must I bring them to church? For the spiritual growth and development of our new converts. <laughs> our new converts, their growth and development lies in the legislative arm of God. Jesus, your Savior, Jesus, your God, needed the church, the synagogue, to grow. Then why do you think we, we can't? Yeah, we, 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 we go without the church in terms of growth. Now, let me explain something now. There's something I saw something in the Bible sometimes, but I forgot the particular phrase. And I saw that when I came into Zion, then I understood. So Zion is a place of understanding. 
There are so many things you can never understand until you come to Zion. Where? Psalm 78, verse 18. Thank you. That is it. Verse 8. Okay, 73, verse 18. Psalm 73, you can write it down. Psalm 73, verse 18. Until I came to Zion, I understood. Please don't get deceived. There is understanding in the place of Zion. There's understanding in the place of Zion. Psalm 73, verse 18. He said, Verse 17. Hallelujah. Now let's read it. Thank you. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then understood I the end. Until I went into the sanctuary of God. So please, if this our new convert must grow spiritually, they need understanding, and understanding is in Zion. I was telling somebody that sometimes back, I said, Do you know the, the, the work of the present day pastors, apostles? Their work is simple to make you understand. Because Christ saved you, they can't save you. But their work is to make you understand what Christ has done for you. That's the work of the present apostle. That's what I'm and that's why I say he has given them teaching priests, apostles, for the edification of the saints. What does it mean? For the building of the saints. But remember that every building must be established on understanding. Because for Christ to even build the present day church, he needed the understanding of Peter to build it. So until understanding comes, your life will not be meaningful. And every growth you experience is built on understanding. So if our new convert must grow and develop, then we must not navigate the place of gathering of them in the sanctuary where they will be taught the ways of God. The church is a spiritual center where we grow from strength to strength. <laughs> they go from strength to strength. Every one of them that appears before the Lord in Zion. So in church is strength growth uh, 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 increment. You keep increasing every time you appear. God ordained shepherd that feed the flock allocated in the church. That's why when we come to church, we meet God's servants. And we are being taught the word of the Lord. We are being taught the word of the Lord. Now, please, let's make this thing clear. That the church in the New Testament was never abolished. Jesus never said, hey, these people should no longer come together and worship me. So let's leave this thing of the devil. You know, the problem we are having in this our present day is the fact that we try to define technology. We try to define the things of God with technology. Hey, when it has to do with God, leave technology. Leave technology in defining, defining the things of God. No matter the technology, there will never be a replacement for church gathering. Just the same way, no matter the technology, there will never be a replacement for prayer. So if our new convert and new members must grow spiritually, there will never be a place for substitution for this purpose, for them coming to the church. Let me give you a very shocking story of somebody I know very well. A young man I know, very vibrant, doing very well for God. All of a sudden, he said all the doctrines of church is tired. See, no matter how tired you are, never, tired, never be tired of going to a church. He says, I churches are doing any. Ah, no, 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 this is The young man says, giving no man of reason that this, he, he doesn't need to come to church to know Christ. I didn't dispute him. I didn't dispute him. I left him. Not quite long. When you hear the young man talk, you see arrogance and disrespect. And one day I was telling somebody, I said, see, 
he wasn't saying talking like this before now. Well, because he has left the place of church, he has left the place of consciousness of God. Every time you come to church, a consciousness is built around you of the existence of God. As soon as he left there, he delayed. The only thing they will, they will keep saying, ah, they are saved, they are saved. We are not disputing the fact they are saved because I don't know, I'm not God. But let me tell you, they are already on their way out. Because of why? When you leave the place of the sanctuary, you leave your place of understanding. Don't be deceived. Because even Jesus, your Jesus, needed the sanctuary to understand and grow. Then who are you not to do that? So we must be interested in seeing people come to church. If people already in church are backsliding because they left church, how much more people have never been to church before? Those cases are, in fact, it's not even a case for the devil. So please, let's be committed to seeing them established in church. And I see God changing their level in the precious name of Jesus. Give Jesus a big hand and a big